Hey everyone, this is Dr. April Murdaugh here to talk with you about getting started investing. You know, that is a hot topic these days. We know the market has been doing its thing. Uh, I always say what goes up must come down and what comes down must go up. So there has been some market volatility as we know over the last couple of years, but the last couple of days have have been pretty good for the S&P. But really what I wanna talk with you guys today about is how to get started investing. You know, there was a Fidelity study that said now 67% of women are now investing outside of their retirement accounts, which is a huge increase. I mean, in years past, that number was significantly lower. So we women are becoming way more savvy and way more interested in investing, and particularly since the pandemic. Um, Actually, since the pandemic, the statistic also said that 50% more women are interested in investing. So we know the interest is there, and we know that we're doing a lot more outside of our retirement accounts, which is excellent. And I, I just commend all of the women who are taking charge of their financial futures. And despite whatever confidence level they have, they are forging ahead because they understand that one investing period is extremely important, but investing outside of your retirement, in addition to what you do for retirement is also extremely important. And, and there also is a statistic cause I am a research nerd. I like reading and, and understanding what's going on and doing the research, but it says that women who invested $5 million over the last 10 years, the statistics said they actually outperformed men by 40 basis points or 4%. So that means that over the last 10 years, women have actually invested at a better return rate than men. So ladies, yes, that's right. Pat ourselves on the back. We do know what we're doing. The thing is we need to become more financially confident. And although 67% of us are investing outside of our retirement accounts, how about we get that number even higher? Let's say 95%, won't you? But here's the thing, even though we women are investing outside of retirement, and even though we are seeing better returns when we invest, remember that study over the 10 years, $5 million, we've increased and we've seen higher returns compared to men. Strangely, women feel more confident about being the CFO of their household finances rather than planning and investing for their financial futures. There's something like 28%, only 28% of women feel confident about planning their financial futures. So even though you know we're investing outside, the confidence level just doesn't seem to be there. And so this podcast is, become, is about becoming a financially confident woman. And today I figured we just start at the foundation and I'll share some basic investing tips for you to employ. And if you have questions after, and you feel like you need more individualized 
um, attention or an individualized conversation, I'll share with you at the end of the podcast how we could do that. Okay. So let's start with number one. Now, I always tell people who come to me, if you are a W-2 employee, meaning you work for someone else, you really must be participating in your company's 401k plan. That is extremely important. So I cannot tell you the number of people that come to me that work you know, for an employer, they have a W-2 position, and they are not taking advantage of that. Um, if you are a business owner, then you can also open up your own retirement account and you can open up your own things like a 401k or a SEP IRA. And if you have employees, there a simple plan is called as well. So whatever stage you are in, whether you are an employee or a business owner, you really should begin planning and begin investing for yourself. And I know particularly business owners, we struggle with this. I am a, I'm a business owner. I work for myself. And a lot of times it's about, hey, listen, I am trying to get this business off the ground. Or, and we know that as a business owner, you know, every week, every month may look different financially. But one of the things that they always say is pay yourself first. And so this is the way you pay yourself first. You take a chunk aside and you put it away for your future. And once you begin to do that, you create a habit and now you you won't even miss it once you get in the habit of doing that. So whatever you do, the first step is to make sure you're participating in your company's plan. Or if you are a business owner, you make sure that you're participating or you start your own plan. And look, if you have to start small as a business owner, uh, 50 bucks a month, a hundred bucks a month, do it. It's better than zero. Okay. Now as an employee, you can actually match. So if your employer has a plan where they say a lot of employees say, we'll give you an additional percentage if you put in a percentage. So let's just say you're going to contribute 3% of your gross salary. So whatever the money is gross, you're going to contribute 3%. So let's just say if it's easy math, you know, you're going to contribute uh, 3% of a hundred thousand dollars, right? And you're going to do that every, every time you get paid every year. So if you do that 3%, then the employer will sometimes say, well, if you give three, we'll give three, or if you give six, will give six. Now, for those of you who are starting your first like big girl job or big, you know, where they're offering you a 401k plan, listen, before you start getting into life with the bills and the house payments and car payments, while you're at home, if you are at home, or if it's your first job, start as high as you can to get as most of the match that you can. So if it's 6%, and they're going to match 6%, try to start out that way. But listen, for those of us, you know, who may have families and may not be able to sacrifice that much out of your paycheck, you know, start as, as low as you can, that makes sense in a way that makes sense. Um, and gradually increase over time. But I will tell you, if you match, if you give and your employer matches, 
you're getting free money from that company. So you're going to put in your 3% and then they're going to put in their 3% and that is going to be huge. So if you're giving $3,000 a year, your employer is going to give you $3,000 of their money and they're contributed to that plan. Now, sometimes there are vesting schedules, which means they'll say, yes, we'll match, but they may require that if you leave the company um, and you, let's say you leave after two years, you may not get everything that they put in. So you have to check the vesting schedule for the employer, their 401k vesting schedule. But if you're 100% vested, that means that whatever they put in the account for you if you leave or when you leave not only do you get the money you put in but you get the money that they put in so you get the benefit of free money the other thing about this is this is money that is pre-tax which means before the irs gets your check your their tax money the employers 401k folks go in and they take that $3,000 off the front, off the top. So now you will be taxed on $97,000 as opposed to $100,000. And that is huge. So that is definitely an advantage. It does make make your tax uh, liability a little bit lower because you're not paying taxes on all the gross income that you're receiving. So that's also a great benefit to making sure that you invest in your employer's plan because of the pre-tax option. Now, as a business owner, you get the same option. It just works a little bit in reverse. Whereas you put the money in there, but then when you go to file your taxes, your contributions up to a certain percentage are deducted against the income that you made. So it does work a little bit in reverse, but just know that whatever you as a business owner contribute to your plan, you will be able to deduct a certain percentage of that off. And it does depend on the type of plan that you have established, but generally, you know, you can put in, let's say if you're under age 50, in a in a employer plan or a business owner plan you can put in twenty two thousand five hundred dollars a year this is as of 2023 and if you're over 50 you can add an additional seventy five hundred dollars to that so that is money that you can put into your retirement account and it be tax-free money meaning it has not been taxed if you're a business owner you can deduct those contributions and if you're an employee you have the benefit of not being taxed on that money. So your paycheck essentially could be higher in some cases. So I would make sure that that is the first thing that you do is that you contribute to your employer plan. And if you're a business owner, you start some type of employer plan for yourself. Um, and the, the other thing too is if you decide, let's say you don't contribute to your employer's plan 
and you say, well, I don't want to do it. Or maybe just maybe your employer doesn't offer a 401k plan or some type of retirement plan. If that's the case, then call me and I'll help them out. But if they don't and you, you're not in a position to do that, you can open up your individual retirement account. It's called a traditional IRA. The problem with those, though, is that they have a limitation on how much you can contribute. So in an employer plan, you can contribute, like I said, $22,500. But in a plan like an um, individual retirement account, the contributions are less they're like $6,500. So they are a bit less. So you have to be careful of that. And in some cases, depending on the type of IRA you, you establish, they may have income limits. So I know for a Roth in, uh, IRA, if you make over a certain amount of money, you are not able to contribute to that. So whatever the case may be, step one, begin contributing to your employer-sponsored plan. And if you don't have one and you're a small business owner, open up a plan for yourself. The second thing is some companies offer the 401ks and they have two parts to them. They offer a traditional portion, which is the tax, the, the pre-tax option where, like I said, if you put your money in there, uh, they'll contribute it. They'll contribute to the pre-tax option before the IRS takes your money out. But then they have a Roth option sometimes in the 401k. And I always encourage people that if they have a Roth option in your 401k, I encourage people if they can afford to do it, is to contribute to that option first, because that Roth option is money that has already been taxed. So you will be putting in post-tax money, which will then impact the bottom line of your paycheck. Whereas the pre-tax money, you know, they're going to tax it after they take the contributions that you're making to the account out. Well, in the Roth, it's a post-tax. So they're going to tax you on a hundred thousand. And then let's say if you're going to contribute 3%, that 3% is going to come out after you've already paid the IRS taxes or after they've deducted those taxes out of your account. So it will impact, let's say your net pay or your bottom line income. And some people, you know, struggle with that, right? Because they're like, oh my gosh, I need all my money up front. And I like the pre-tax option because I don't have to pay taxes on this money and then it can grow and it is a great option. But the problem comes in is when you go to retire and now you're 67, 70, um, ideally you'll be in a lower tax bracket. That's an ideal, right? But let's say you're not and let's say the tax rates are higher. Well, if they are higher, now all of the money in the taxable account, the money that has not been taxed, when you go to extrapolate that money and make a paycheck, a retirement check with that money, you're going to pay taxes on that. But in the Roth side of things, since that money has already been taxed, the account has been open for at least five years. When you go to take that money out, you don't pay taxes on it. So in a perfect world, it would be 
advisable if you can't afford to do this is to fill up the Roth side of your 401k if you have such a thing at your company. As a self-employed individual, you can set up a 401k that has a taxable and a Roth option in there, and you can fill up one side of that as well, you know, using the Roth side to put everything in the post-tax side of the 401k so that when you go to take it out, you do not have to pay any taxes as well. So second thing is if your company has a Roth portion of the 401k plan, I say contribute there first. You can contribute the same amount to the Roth as you can the regular 401k. The only caveat, like I said, is the Roth will use after tax money. Okay. And the regular or the traditional side of the 401k will use pre-tax money. So if you do, you know, the Roth, just know that your net income, your take-home pay is going to be lower and you can play with those numbers. You know, I have a client that I worked with and we looked at it and we said, okay, let's, let's test the waters with 4% and see if she can withstand a 4% after tax contribution to the Roth. And the cool thing is, is that her company still matched her Roth contributions. So that's also a big benefit. So she's putting in four and it's after tax. And then her company's putting in four, you know, of that money. And so I know that, you know, you're thinking, well, gosh, I can't really afford that. But these these types of investment uh, strategies are really long-term investment goals, right? So these are, you have to think about this, um, like Stephen Covey says, let's begin with the end in mind. What is the objective? The end is to live a lifestyle that you deserve in retirement. The end is to have the financial confidence that you need to have in throughout, throughout your life, but more importantly, in retirement, right? The objective is to uh, create and grow generational wealth. And so this little strategy, although may hit you up front and it'd be like, oh my gosh, it may pinch me a little bit financially. One, if you do it, I believe once you get in the habit, you, you won't even feel it. You will adjust your lifestyle to, to suit. And two, you have to focus on the goal, the end goal. So that's also something that i recommend so that would be the second thing and then you know sometimes i say the third step is you know if you have more discretionary income so let's just say you're maxing out your 401k contributions and you still have some more discretionary income well you can open outside accounts as well okay so you can open like a brokerage account uh, where you can start doing some investing there uh buying stocks and bonds and etfs in there and if you have some discretionary money and you still want to continue to invest but do know that's usually going to be after tax investing and those contributions will be after tax and you also if you decide let's say to open up another type of retirement account you do have to be careful because there are some tax implications they usually look at everything you're contributing to all retirement accounts 
aggregate that and you can't go over the limit. So you have to be very careful of, let's say, opening up an additional uh, individual retirement account or outside Roth or something like that when you are contributing to your employer's plan. So I will say though, if you have discretionary income, this is another way to leverage that income. I say all the time to my clients, listen, we're here to take our money and our money needs to make babies for us. So once you're contributing to your retirement account, it's out there making babies, not literal babies, but you know, money babies. And then once you have done that and maxed that out and you want to continue to invest and buy all goodness, opening up a, a brokerage account or something like that nature, where you can invest and you can do some, maybe some more individualized stuff for yourself, uh, that will be a good option, or I say a third option as well. Um, now I talk to people and, I, and I'll be honest, a lot of my clients are women who have had some sort of life transition, uh, executive women, uh, women business owners, uh, women medical professionals who have had some kind of life transition, maybe been through divorce, um, became a widow, um, have maybe lost some things in their life. I know for me, I've lost everything in my life three times. And so I've kind of had to rebuild and rebuild. So honestly, I kind of know a little bit what I'm talking about because not only, you know, just doing the work, but then my own personal experience, but you know, so to that point, I don't really work a lot with women who have or want to plan for college. Now, my clients do have typically have teenagers and that sort of thing, and um, and they are concerned about planning for college. And so with that in mind, we usually try to set up college accounts. And so a 529 plan is another cool way to invest for your child's college plans. Um, and in a 529, you can invest in accounts like that have stocks and bonds, and it can have a myriad of different investments inside of there. I'll, I'll share in probably future episodes on the types of investments, you know, we'll break down like what is an ETF and stocks and bonds and mutual funds and how the, what are those things, how they work. And, but Another type of investment strategy is a 529 plan, which is a college plan. You sometimes have to be careful. There is a difference between a 529 plan and a prepaid college plan. Uh, 529 plans are just a buildup of money. You can use it for college expenses only. So if junior uh, decides that he does not want to go to college and you have this 529 money, you can pass it to another sibling or a relative who is in college. But if you decide to use that money for yourself or other than college related expenses for you or for junior, then you're going to pay taxes on that money. So on the gains there. So you've got to be very, very careful about that. Another way to invest is, I know it may seem quite unorthodox, but I do sometimes what I call life insurance retirement planning for my clients. And that is another way to invest. It's almost like setting up a bond portfolio 
with bonds are typically a lot more safer investments. They have pretty steady rates of return. So safe, I, I shouldn't say safe per se, but their returns are not nearly as volatile as the stock market. They're pretty steady rates of return. And it allows clients a lot of times to purchase a life insurance policy on themselves, on their children, and fund the life insurance policy up to a certain limit and build up actually tax-free money in the policy that they can take and use for whatever they want. So a 529, as I explained earlier, has limitations, right? It only can be used for college planning, college expenses. Um, but but if you decide to use it for anything else other than college-related college related expenses for the beneficiary, or if you have to forward it to someone else who's going to college, you're going to incur a tax problem. But in a life insurance pro policy, you don't have that. You're actually, I call it a forced savings. So you are putting, you're paying your premium and a portion of that is being set aside into an account and you're getting credited either by dividends or an index is tracking maybe the index of the market and crediting that to the cash portion of the policy. And you're like the bank of you. So if you want to take that money out and you want to do whatever, you want to remodel the house, you want to use it for retirement, I do it a lot for retirement, build up a bunch of cash in there and then turn around at retirement and make the policy uh, pay me or I'm now paying myself my retirement check from my life insurance policy. It is a loan feature. So you are taking a loan against the policy for yourself, but again, it is tax free. So you don't have to pay any taxes. And in some instances, you don't have to pay the loan back. It just will be deducted when you pass away from the, the face amount of the policy. So there are people out here who build those creatively. And um, again, for the tax-free benefit of having that, that is another investment strategy that a lot of people don't talk about, or maybe they do. I think I've seen some things like on TikTok and all that. And, um, you know, everyone has their opinion on that. I say go to someone that is licensed, that is a professional, that understands how to create these strategies for you so that, you know, you don't have any problems and tax implications and everything, everything is just structured properly. So you need to definitely make sure of that. And another type of investment is what I call annuities. Um, what are annuities? I don't call them annuities. They are called annuities, excuse me. And what they, that means is I call them private pensions. So you, as the person, the owner, you actually set up a pension for yourself. And for those of you who may not be familiar with pensions, that's like when you worked at the, you heard of the car plant in Michigan and Detroit, the Ford, you know, everyone worked at Ford. And then when they retired, Ford said, hey, we guarantee that we're going to pay you $500 a month until you die. Well, that is a pension. Well, you don't have to work for a company to set up your own private pension. You can establish that right now. 
you can set it up where you put money in the money grows you can do it you can add to it monthly if you like or annually if you like and then when you want to access the money you can turn around and make that that money in that annuity pay you for the rest of your life until you die and in some cases if there's money left in there then the beneficiary will get it if some cases uh, you'll get there'll be a death benefit so they'll get the balance in the form of a death benefit there are many ways to construct annuities and i've heard that they have a bad rap but I'll be honest, I have tons of clients that have them. They're a great way to create some guaranteed future income. The major caveat to annuities is you are locking your money up for a specific period of time. So this is not like a brokerage account or 401k. You can't take any loans against it. You put it in there for a certain period it builds, it grows, it's interest credited to the annuity. And then when you either retire or when that time frame is up, then it's called the surrender period. When the surrender period is up, you can take the money out of the annuity and you can use it if you want to, or you can take it and put it into another one that would give you guaranteed income if the one that you have it in doesn't provide that for you the main caveat for annuities as well is that not only is there a surrender period so sometimes they can be generally nine years would be the, the longest surrender period i would have my money locked up if it's more than that i i get a little nervous about that and if you decide in that nine years, let's say that you need your money, they have something called a 10% free withdrawal on most of them. So that means that if you had a hundred thousand in there and let's say year three, you needed some money, uh, you could take 10% of that out. It will be taxed, right? Because this is a retirement product. So it will be taxed if you've put retirement money in there, let's just say, if you put it in retirement money in there, there will be tax. And um, also when you go to take guaranteed income, depending upon the way it's set up, you will also pay taxes on that money. So that pension check that you're creating for yourself in a lot of cases will be taxed. So annuities or what I call private pensions are another strategy for investing. They're another investing strategy. Now they have other investment strategies. We're not going to get into too much now, but we have gold, we have futures, which are, you know, futures are commodities, uh, options. Uh, everyone's talking now about crypto and Bitcoin. Of course, real estate is another way to invest. I have a lot of clients that invest in real estate and use that as a retirement strategy and a generational wealth transfer strategy. So that is another way. In fact, we'll have a podcast. I'm going to have a real estate investor come on and talk to us about how they do it. And I'll have a realtor come on and talk to them about how they work, talk to us about how they work with the clients. So the main thing though, with all these different strategies, and I should have said this at the top of the show is when you go to invest, you really need to understand your why what is your objective you know it do you want to just play with some money 
Are you trying to play with money to make money to get income from it now? Are you trying to do something to get income from it later? Is your strategy or your objective retirement? Do you want to leave a legacy? Um, do you want to purchase a home? Is it something short term where you want to invest for a few years so you can have a bucket of money to put a down payment on a home or pay the home or out, buy the home outright? Do you want to buy a car? Is it for education? You know, are you investing so that you would have money to send your child to college? What if you are, you know, maybe you're investing because you're planning on having a family and you want your spouse to stay at home. And so you need to create some sort of income for them while they're at home. You know, that could be a, a, a why your why, or maybe caring for elderly parents. A lot of women, a lot of women take a lot of time out between their work lives because of raising children, of course, maternity leave and everything that comes with that. And then they wind up taking a break later in life to care for elderly parents. And that is also a reason why sometimes we are behind when it comes to investing and building wealth for the future is because we have so many breaks in, in our investment lives. I mean, men typically have a longevity or longer time where they're investing. They don't kind of move in and out of the, the workforce as much as women tend to move out. Now, it can be different depending on your gender, how you identify, or the roles that you have in your household. Uh, there are stay-at-home dads as well as there are stay-at-home moms. So it's not necessarily all of them, but statistically, we've seen that women uh, actually do more of the staying at home and they lose the ability to have uh, to invest for longer periods as opposed to their male counterparts. So I hope I, I gave you a good overview of you know, getting started investing. I know it is a lot of information and I'll be honest, there are some things you can do on your own. Like if you don't have a lot of money to get started and, and let's say you're a young person or you're just getting in this thing, opening a Roth IRA is a good first step. I always recommend my young people when they get their first gig at 16, you can go to your bank and you can open a Roth IRA. You can go to fidelity.com and you can open a Roth IRA. If you're going to just put um, 50 bucks a month in that thing, when you're young, get your first job, that is a good way to get started. They typically are funded with mutual funds, but that's a good way to start taking your money and making it make babies. So I always say, that's a good first start. But I've given you a lot of different options and it can be overwhelming. Like I said, you can do this yourself by going online and opening a Roth IRA account, which is perfectly fine. Um, but if you want to do something a little more strategic, maybe long-term, or you need someone to help you flesh out maybe uh, your objectives and or match your investing strategies with some objectives that you have, then I invite you to meet with a financial advisor. Um, if not me, then someone else out there that can help you get on the right path when it comes to investing. Because one of the ways, one of the best ways 
to create and grow generational wealth is to take your money and make it make babies. The other way to become a financially confident woman is to start. Listen, fear will hold us back. Avoiding it will not make anything change. You have to step out there and you have to get started. And having someone to hold your hand, to not judge you because maybe you haven't started as young as 16 or 21, or maybe there's been some time and you haven't participated in your employer's plan. But I will tell you the best way to gain confidence is to get started. So if you, if you feel like you're behind the eight ball, I say, stop the self shame, stop the judgment and just start. Check with your employer's plan and see what they have. Try to do your best to match what they're willing to match. And if they do not have one, then you can start your own. You can open up one on your own, either, like I said, at a bank, if you want to start a Roth account, or you can work with a financial advisor, a fiduciary like myself to kind of help you think, help you through that process. So I hope that you found value in everything I shared with you today. If you want to chat more on an individual level, if you want to discuss with someone your why and help someone help you create an investment plan that is aligned with your why, that someone that won't judge you, someone that will hold you accountable but someone that really wants to see you succeed and help you become financially confident, then you can reach out to me at Woman to Woman Financial. Uh, you can visit my website or you can email me at info at woman to woman financial.com. And I would love to sit down and chat with you, learn more about you and see how I can assist you in creating and growing generational wealth. So it has been an, a complete pleasure. I thank you so much for allowing me to share these strategies with you. Uh, reach out if there's anything that you ever need, but listen, let's get started. The only way to create generational wealth, to become financially confident is to start. I would love to do it with you, but get if it's not me, then get someone to help you. Take care.